Welcome to the Grazing Podcast for Robertson Sheetham Farmers Co-op. My name is Clint, and I will be your host as we record live from our beautiful Springfield, Tennessee location inside our podcast studio. Robertson Cheatham is a member-owned farm supply cooperative. You can learn more about us on our website, yourfarmerscoop.com, in addition to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Welcome back to another grazing podcast for Robertson Cheatham Farmers Co-op. If you are an outdoorsman that enjoys hunting and fishing or just a Robertson County resident, this episode will be worth listening to because I have the honor of introducing you to Robertson County's newest game warden, Officer Jason Shapton, and also accompanying him today is uh, Mr. Joey Austin, a wildlife technician at the Springfield Fish Hatchery. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Good morning, Clint. Y'all, I appreciate y'all uh, taking the time to to come up here and be on. This is this is interesting stuff because you know when I think about um, game wardens and the TWRA, um, you know it's y'all manage the the wildlife that we get to enjoy here in Tennessee. So anytime we get to talk with y'all, you know I, I really enjoy it. Um, so I appreciate y'all taking the time to come on today. Uh, so, Jason, last time we talked on here, you said it's been about a year ago, which is bizarre to think about. How time, fast time flies. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, you were a game warden, but to our neighbors in the east, Sumner County, I believe, is where you were at at the time. Uh, when did the, the transition to Robertson County, when did that happen? Yes, sir. I was uh, very fortunate uh, back of October of this uh, this past year. I was lucky enough to – there was an open position here in Robertson County where uh, – the, uh, the game warden here in Roberts County, uh, Mr. Caleb Stratton, he, uh, he, he took a promotion and moved up the ranks and uh, left an open spot for a wildlife officer here in the county. So uh, I was very fortunate to be able to kind of kind of slide right in here, yeah. right right back where I'm living at. Worked out perfect. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Very blessed. Because you've been here in Robertson County for how many years now? Uh, I guess it's probably going on 20 years. I've, I've lived in, in Roberts County. so 20 years. Yes, sir. So, so it was an easy transition. Oh, it was. You know, you know, we we've uh, our kids have been raised here and went to school here, and it was just a uh, just very very lucky to be able to slide in the into Roberts County and um, be back around you know some of my neighbors and friends and and family around this area. Yes. Well, hey man, congratulations again. Well, thank so, you. So for the people uh, living in Robertson County that that haven't been introduced to you, could you just give the, a very brief bow on yourself? I know you worked for. Uh, the sheriff's department for several years, and you were in an SRO at uh, Heritage for a year or two. Um, yeah, but absolutely. yeah, just just to give people that don't know you yet sure, just a sure. little bit of an idea. I've uh, I've uh, I always wanted to be a game warden from uh, I guess all growing up and into into high school and my first couple years of college. I got married pretty early and. Uh, I uh, started out going to Tennessee Tech, and uh, unfortunately weren't, wasn't able to finish. Uh, got married early and let my wife finish, but I had to go pay the bills and let her get her degree. And I, uh, I got into uh, law enforcement that time over at the uh, Putnam County Sheriff's Office over in Cookville, and uh, and worked over there a number of years. Um, and kind of just kind of fell in that law enforcement career. Enjoyed you know working patrol and different things. And and uh, my wife, she's from White House, so she. Uh, Wanted to kind of move back over here closer to family and friends and, uh, you know, say, what the heck, let's do it. So we, we moved back to uh, to Robertson County and uh, was able to get hired on with the uh, White House Police Department. Um, I'm trying to think back, probably 2007-ish, probably. And, uh, you know, after that, um, 
Um, worked several years for them, you know, doing all kinds of things on patrol with them and uh, really enjoyed my time and then uh, then got hired on with the um, Roberts County Sheriff's Office for a little while as I finished up school and I, I determined I was like, I want to go back to be a game ward. <laughs> so I, I luckily, luckily my wife was on board and she let me uh, go back to school for a couple of years and get my master's degree and, and was able to get hired on um, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, been very blessed. Was that, uh, was it kind of always in the back of your head? Like, you know, obviously I'm in, I'm in law enforcement working for the, the sheriff's department or, or in mm-hmm. White House, which I would assume is excellent experience. Oh, for, yeah. You know, yeah. Being a game warden. Sure. Was it always in the back of your head? Like, you know, I, I still want to transition to to a wildlife role because that's where my passion is. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, I always did, but I, I knew it was incredibly hard to get hired on and, and trying to trying to change careers when you're 40 years old is, uh, is a little bit of a challenge as well, you know, because you're working your way up the ranks in other departments and doing other things and all of a sudden you're going back and starting a whole new career over again. But but the law enforcement <laughs> background, I mean, that, that helped me immensely. I mean, I could, as soon as I got out of our wildlife academy, I was able to uh, hit the ground running and, and uh, make a difference from day one. Well, it, it was a pretty daunting uh, task in order to, because you had to go back, I think, take online classes to, to even become eligible to enter into the the wildlife uh, program to oh, become yeah. an officer. Yeah, absolutely. So you did that for a year or two yeah, didn't you? Yeah. before you could even think about, you know, mm-hmm. moving forward. And then the, the academy down there, I think you you had to live down there for what? We did, almost Seven six months. Eight? Yeah. <laughs> it was it was a long time. We uh, we get to come home on the weekends, but we, we, we started our own wildlife academy probably about four years ago over in West Tennessee at Buffalo Ridge. And um, it's, a, it's a full law enforcement academy. Um, years back before this, we used to send all of our guys through the state academy for 11, 12 weeks, and then we would – after that, if they graduated the State Academy in Donaldson, they would transition to a wildlife academy and do another 12 weeks or, mm-hmm. or better and uh, learn all the, you know, different things about the wildlife, you know, all different equipment we have to use from boats to four-wheelers to everything else. And But now we, we've uh, done done away with all that, and we just have our own academy. <laughs> and it's a, it's 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 pretty intensive. It's a, it's a great thing. Oh, I'm so, sure. I'm, oh, for six months, man. I mean, that's, and of course, that's a lot of material that you have oh, to. Oh, it is. It is. From, from constitutional law all the way to you know like I said operating boats and wildlife laws and different things i yeah. mean it's a it's it's pretty in, intensive so six months i mean it'll take yeah. at least that time to, <laughs> to get well versed yeah in that absolutely sure. so before you came on here at robertson county if, if i'm not mistaken i know did you work with montgomery county with the gate with as a yes as sir a, yeah i've kind of i've kind of transitioned around so so during the past couple of years i've uh <laughs> i've had to move around a lot i started out in cannon county uh, Cannon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I went to Sumner County, uh, then went to Montgomery County, and then finally a spot opened up here in Robertson County. So I'm uh, I'm not moving around anymore. <laughs> I'm not done with that. So I'll, I'll be here until I retire. So hopefully the next 20 years I'll, I'll be here. Well, it's so. interesting, you know, because that's like five, three or four, four or five counties yes, altogether. Sir, yeah. is, is there a big – since you have that experience, is there a big difference – in each of the counties, are they oh, all fairly similar? No, every every county is different. You know, you got Cannon County; it's uh, you know super rural. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just a whole different atmosphere. Then you go to some place like Sumner County or Montgomery County. You know, very large counties. You know, a whole lot of uh, animal calls. As far as you know, they have a lot of urban areas, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't know much about wildlife, so they're calling us. <laughs> right, <laughs> I mean, right. For, for for all kinds of reasons. You know, a lot of them are you know real legitimate 
you know, you know, awesome calls. And some are like, you know, I've, I've got a mountain lion on my roof, and Alert. You, you end up going out there and ends up being a house cat. You know, yeah. a good <laughs> so, teaching experience. For oh, it's yeah, like it's it's uh, it's interesting for sure. Yeah, no, I could imagine because Cannon County, yeah, that's. Uh, East, that's getting towards the plateau over there. So that's, it is. That's it is a very rural Short mountain. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's it's real real hilly. How, how long were you there? Not very long. Not very long. I was there for probably like maybe six months. Probably okay. Yes, sir. So you were commuting from Springfield to Canada. I was. Every day? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's quite a quite a haul. <laughs> so I'm 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 very lucky to be able to be here in Springfield now where I live, and you know. That way I can, as soon as I leave my driveway, I'm, I'm working. So so what's the biggest difference you've noticed about, of course, you're already, you've lived in Robertson County for 20 years, but is, is there anything in particular that makes Robertson unique compared to Sumner or Davidson or Montgomery or, or Canada? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, all, all the counties are a little bit different um, as far as, you know, their rural areas, their agriculture, their, you know, just population, you know, and, and Luckily, Roberts County, it's just got a good mix of both. You know, you mm. have some urban areas, but then again, you still have, you know, a whole lot of agricultural areas. Mm. So you can go the northern parts of the county and, you know, it's, it's you know, all farmland and something like uh, I've always envisioned a, a game warden. Right. <laughs> a right. game warden county, you know. You know, uh, you know, especially, you know, I've helped out in other areas like Davidson County down in Nashville. And you're, you're more of a, I mean, they give us the title of wildlife officer, you know, and you're, you're basically going from call to call to call downtown, you know, catching squirrels and looking at different things, and, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it's nice to be able to be a, a true game warden, actually be in a county that's got some rural areas and, um, you know, it's a, it's a, just a lot more enjoyable. Right. Oh, it's, yes, sir. it's certainly a good, a good mix between urban and, and rural. Cause like you said, if you drive north, I mean, it's, it's yeah. all farmland. A lot of there. outdoorsmen in Roberts County, yes. which is, which is awesome. You yes. know, a lot of, a lot of people that still enjoy the family traditions of hunting and fishing and, and still have some areas to do it in. Right. Yes, right. Sir. That makes sense. So you just completed your first deer season. I did. In Robson County. <laughs> yes, sir. Was that more eventful than you expected it to be? Uh, or? Not more eventful. It was, it was really busy. Um, we were, I was very fortunate to make some, make some pretty good cases, you know, people spotlighting and hunting from the roadway and mm-hmm. doing some different stuff that they shouldn't be doing. But, uh, and we talked about that spotlight and, 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 you know, I, I thought, that went out of fashion a long time ago. I didn't realize that that was still such a, a, a prevalent thing that goes on, but obviously it is. I mean, it, it, it is sometimes. I mean, it's not. Uh, it's probably gone out of fashion a little bit, especially with technology, you know. But uh, you know, there, there's still people who go ride the roads, the back roads, and try to uh, get a leg up on everybody and, and maybe uh, try to take that deer that they can't get during the daylight hours. Right. But, you know. That's that's why I got a job though. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well and it's cool the fact that, you know, you you get to make those decisions about, you know, if, if uh you know, if you get word that hey, there's some activity going on right here, you get to decide or strategize about how you're gonna stake out the area and hopefully have a case. It is. It's it's uh, like I said, I'm I'm a little biased, but it's probably one of the best jobs I've ever known about and probably one of the best jobs of the state just because, you know, we, we make our own schedules. Um we we our supervision is awesome. They they let us kind of handle our counties. Um, we know the needs of our counties. You know whether it be changing with the seasons from you know fishing to turkey hunting to deer hunting. I mean you know the the times of year where you know you know what parts of the county to be in. You get complaints about different areas like you're saying, and and we go out and handle those calls and try to uh, come up with a uh, a way to you know take care of the county and the outdoorsmen. So there's not many jobs that that. Um 
give you the ability to go out and make your schedule and manage the county how you see fit. No, there, there's very few. And, you know, we're obviously we're pretty busy during those times. So, you know, we'll be working, you know, I, I work 12, 14-hour days, if not longer than that sometimes during the deer season, you know. But then, obviously, when the slower parts come around, I'm mm-hmm. able to kind of take off a little bit. And, right. You know, right. So it's, it's nice because, you know, no matter what happens, it all rotates. So by the time you get tired of doing one thing, here comes a different season or, you know, and it rotates into something. Oh. Else and it's always refreshing and something new. So there's, there's no monotony to there it. There is. It's not the same thing every day. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So turkey season's coming coming up. Is that does that start in March? Well, no, see, there's been some changes this year. So Okay, this, this, this is, is good. good. Absolutely, yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, you know, turkey season's always kind of traditionally started, you know, early April, you know, with the juvenile season being the the last weekend of March. Well, that's changed this past year. Our commission voted to um, to move the turkey season up two weeks so or two weeks later so turkey season won't start till april 15th and then it'll run you know um, i have to see the exact date but it'll run through may and then um you know it's gone down from three birds to two birds mm. two two bearded birds and uh, with only one being a jake okay so, so things have changed it used to be you know three bearded birds mm. and it didn't matter you know if they're all jakes or all toms or what but now they're trying to uh there's kind of been a decline across the whole state with the turkey population. They're trying to kind of mitigate that and try to give them a chance to uh, to not interrupt their, their breeding season a whole lot and trying to give them an extra two weeks. So uh, that's with the, with the late opening like that, you know, they're going to just try some different things and see what happens. So. I've, I've heard that as far as the decline across the state. And I've heard – East Tennessee, even more so than here. I don't know if that's true or not. In, in southern Middle Tennessee, you know, some of those counties have seen a decline as well. So um, they're, they're doing studies right now. There's a lot of studies going on, long-range studies, that they're trying to kind of get to the bottom of it and see what's going on with the Golly. turkey populations. Well, when, you know, when the program, uh, at the height of the, the uh, reintroduction, when I was, I don't know, I was probably middle school, Probably, I mean, it wasn't nothing to, to drive around and see 100, 150 at a time. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. And I, and I, I've come to notice over the years that I don't really see that anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of going back to the uh, carrying capacity as far mm-hmm. as you know. It might have been inflated at that time, and right. then things have kind of leveled off, and we're getting more on a you know what the what the land can support, and obviously too, you know, habitat loss is is right. going to be a big thing. A lot of the farms are getting developed, unfortunately, with with any kind of growth. And then um, you've got nest predators. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, all the other predators that go along with it. Everything likes to eat a turkey. So oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on exactly. And uh, and, I, and I, I give them credit. You know, they're, 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 they're at least trying to be proactive a little bit. And, um, you know, just because, you know, you might not see a drop off in your area doesn't mean that somebody else isn't seeing a, a drastic decline right. in their area. So they're trying to, you know, kind of go across the board and try to give them a little bit more chance to, you know, get back on a sure footing so to speak i've always heard that turkeys and you can probably tell me if this is right or wrong or anywhere near accurate but the turkeys as far as their home range is up to 50 miles is that is there any truth to that or is that not necessarily yeah i don't i don't think it's quite that much um you know they're 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 pretty localized as far as that you know they'll have different um spring and summer areas versus winter areas winter time you'll see them in bigger flocks normally like more in river bottoms and closer right. to place like that they kind of all flock up then in the spring they break up but uh they're, they're they're pretty localized i mean within within a few miles they like to so, stay yeah. local okay yeah. so when when turkey season comes around obviously you talked about during deer season some of the the type of poaching that you run into or, or spotlighting or people shooting deer from the road 
is there an equivalent to that with with turkeys? There, there is absolutely. Yeah, what, what not, not, not so much spotlighting, but you have people that uh, will just ride the roads and and they might see that big tom, you know, strutting just outside the road and might you know <laughs> might might uh, might not think think too too right. uh, you know right especially if there's nobody around and yeah, they you know, yeah, they, they you know temptation takes over but but luckily luckily that's a rare occasion right. and, you know the vast majority of sportsmen are you know great people and and follow the rules and and yep. want to conserve and so but yeah there there is so we'll we'll get calls you know in their springtime people people driving up and shooting one from the road. And the turkeys are, are smaller animals, obviously, so it's mm-hmm. easy for them to run out there and grab one and throw it in the back of their truck and right. take off. So, um, but, but like I said, that's that's a rare thing, and, and luckily we're we're blessed that doesn't happen a whole yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, now, this has been years ago uh, uh, over where I'm located. Um, there were some people around us that were shooting turkeys off a roost at night. Oh, okay. And I don't so, know ever yeah. what happened with it, sure. but uh, I, I know that's that's a thing too that happens sometimes. It does, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, like I said, I mean, I wouldn't have a job, obviously, right. <laughs> if everyone followed the rules. So, exactly. luck, <laughs> luck, luck, luckily, that's a that's a rare occasion. That's, so that's yeah. a good way to that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so, so geographically, um, where we live in Robertson County, I think of obviously deer, turkey, and then dove season. Oh yeah, being some of, and, and along ones. with that fishing too sure um getting the most activity but do we have many people that participate like in squirrel or of course rabbits we don't have many rabbits like we used to around here but do we still have people that that like to participate squirrel and rabbit hunting absolutely yeah yeah we we have a lot of a lot of people do uh obviously squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting as well um it's not as not as popular as it used to be it's you know only because it's it's harder to find big tracts of land that Mm -hmm. you know available to go out and Especially something like rabbit hunting, if you have you know you know beagles and whatnot, the dogs, mm-hmm. it's it's just it's harder to you know small little tracks. It's kind of hard to run your dogs and yep. you know pick them up and go to a different spot. But uh, a lot of people still do that, and it's a it's a tradition. You know, it's it's cool. There's there's still people that that uh, participate in that. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. When those, and, those those dogs, those beagles, you know, it's. Uh... I never did it myself, but you get on the computer and watching them. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it seems like a lot of fun. And it was, and I, I, I know I've, I've got a friend. They they went Sunday and they ended up killing twenty three in their group. Really? Rabbits. Yeah. So there's there's still some pockets, obviously, out there. You know, if you have the dogs and you know, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So. It's, it's kind of a you have to if you have land, you have to specifically manage for that, I guess. You do, but you'd be surprised. Um, you know, especially like row crop fields and whatnot. You know, you can't you can't obviously row crop everything mm-hmm. there's going to be you know um, drains and, right. and different low areas and different stuff like that and of course you have those spots out in those ag fields i mean it could be just a little islands here and there and of course you'll have all the rabbits and whatnot i mean they, they love those areas what about and this just this just popped in my mind i was thinking about it because i was thinking about you know the, the rabbit decline compared to you know 40 50 years ago sure. but something that i've noticed over the years that i just don't see or hear nearly as much are frogs mm-hmm. in, in Tennessee. And I, you know, you, I think there used to be more people that would go frog gig and I'm sure there's still some, but, um, it seems like this, since the, the blue hair and those, those tall mm-hmm. birds yes, just standing in the ponds have yep. come in here, they've been hard on the frog population. Yeah, they're, they're, like. they're hard on a lot of stuff, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just part of it. You know, that kind of, everything has a balance oh, and yeah. keeping everything in check, but there, there's still pockets out there, you know, and, and, and I try to take my, my kids out every summer and we'll go find a farm pond somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always a really fun thing to do. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. One of my most favorite things I like to hear in the summertime is bullfrogs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But I just, I don't hear nearly the amount that I used to when, when I was a kid sure, uh, sure. growing up. So I, I didn't, I didn't know if that was still 
a popular practice frog gigging. People still did that. It, it, it is, here. but maybe not as popular as it used to be. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's still, if you, I mean, you know, it's it's more or less just having spots to go. You know, that's the hardest part, right. and then finding a you know a pond or somewhere that's going to hold some frogs. Right. So, you know, be worth doing, not yep. some small ones. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it takes you know to, to have a good a frog population. Yep. You know, it takes a pretty good sized body of water. It does. Yep. No doubt. Um, so being able to transition from from land. Mm-hmm. To water once it starts getting a little bit warmer. That's oh, yeah. that's yeah. a fun perk of the job. Well, sure. well right. it is it is for a while, you know. <laughs> Just like everything, you get burned out. Uh, oh yeah. I, I I enjoy the. Uh, I guess me personally, everyone's different. We have uh, dedicated boating officers, and that's their that's their job. Is they're you know mostly on the lake, you know, during the summer times. And as as um, as wildlife officers or game wardens, that's what, that's what we do as well. You know, once it transitions into the summertime, obviously there's no hunting going on, um, and. Uh, well, that's where our need is across our district is um, our bigger lakes and reservoirs because Percy Priest and Old Hickory Lake are some of the, the busiest lakes in the entire state mm-hmm. uh, by far. And uh, it's all hands on deck sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. on the weekends and holidays and whatnot to try to kind of be out there and help out with uh, all different law enforcement and on top of, uh, you know, assisting with medical needs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we get called out there for emergencies. And, I mean, it's uh, – Having boats on a lake during those peak hours are is pretty important. Now, will you go down there during certain busy parts of the year and, and assist those, those oh, guys? Well, absolutely, okay. yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So it, it'll it'll transition. Obviously, we don't have a, a huge body of water here in our county, um, like Percy Priest or Old Hickory, right. but but we do have the Red River, and mm-hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll be on the Red River quite a bit this year, um, checking people, make sure people are being safe out there. So. Uh, because we do have a need. I mean, with uh, kind of with COVID and kind of the explosion of um, you know outdoor activities and people just trying to get away from you know, um, you know, with COVID, other folks get more outdoors. Right. Everyone bought kayaks and canoes yeah. and paddle crafts and and uh, everybody you know and, and found out how awesome it is and how much fun it is to float down <laughs> these rivers. So you know, it uh, yeah. it it's it just. You know, it's a great thing, but it's also made things really busy in different parts. And, you know, we want to make sure everyone's being safe and, and uh, having an enjoyable time. Yeah, it's it's like there for a while people forgot what it was like to, to be outside because obviously it's so easy to be indoors nowadays. It is, with yeah. Phones and TVs. Electronics. And, yeah, yes. so it makes it very easy uh, compared to, bef- you know, before this technology got to what it is where people got outside more. They you did. Know? They did. It seems like. Coronavirus had help with that. I, yeah, it, it really did. I mean, we 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 uh, as an agency. I mean, it's it's been amazing. We 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 love to see people come out and enjoy the the bountiful resources that our state mm-hmm. you know has to offer. You know, it's we're very blessed to have so much water, mm-hmm. so many rivers and lakes and streams. And I mean, compared to other states, I mean, oh, yeah. people move in here and they they're just overwhelmed yes. and blown away by how much opportunity we have here. So. Just an abundance. Yeah, of, yeah. It's, it's hard to believe, especially from western states and other places where they don't have this. You know, everywhere. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, no, we, we are. We're very fortunate here. Um, so, Mr. Joe, I want to transition to you a little bit. Okay, yes, so you're a wildlife technician at the, uh, the the fish hatchery we have in Springfield. Now, I'm going to tell you, I think a, a large majority of the population of Robertson County is not even aware that there is a hatchery in Springfield. How long has this, this hatchery been here, to your knowledge? Well, they say it started back in 1935 is when it opened up. No kidding. It's one of the oldest in the state. 1935. So, shoot, here, almost 90 years old. Yes, sir. It's going uh, about a century old here before too long. That is fascinating. So... So why is why is it not that well known? You think is it just because it's a, a TWRA type of um, 
uh, managed deal. It's not really open to the public, obviously. It's not open to the public unless have a special request or whatnot just for liability purposes. Right. But it's kind of tucked away off of Highway 49, and mm-hmm. not too many people know about it. Right. So growing up, did you always have a passion for, for wildlife, fish, and that kind of thing? Is that, how, is that what got you into this kind of work? Yes, sir, 100%. That's cool, man. Well, so 1935. So what is the, the overarching role of the hatchery? Is it, is it research more or less or breeding? I mean, what, what goes on there? It's what we do is try to supplement the native populations. And okay. some fish species, they don't naturally reproduce like they should. So mm. we supplement them like the hybrid bass. That's not a naturally occurring species. So breed them and release them just for people to catch. Okay. It's, why? So the, the, that bass in particular, is it, as far as them, um, you know, spawning in nature, there's just a sort shortage of it. Why? Why is that? Do you think is it because I know a lot of times when we uh, when we start putting dams in Tennessee, like sturgeons, for example, they do we still do we even have sturgeons? Oh, yeah. We're stocking, been stocking them actively for the last ten or so years. So, yes, sir. So y'all are there to. Um, I guess what's the word? Uh, help out more or less the the existing the, na- the native fish populations yes, that may have supplement, a, supplement yes, them. They, that's that's a good word for it. So uh, I know you know driving by back there. I've never gone in, but just driving by, you, you have ponds out there yes. with is it liners. All but two of our ponds are lined. Okay. Yes. Are there? Uh, is everything outside, or do y'all have any? Indoor tanks, that kind of thing. Well, we have indoor tanks where we spawn out our saugers at, but that's just about three months out of the year. We have the fish inside and take the males and females and mix the eggs eggs up and hatch out the saugers, then distribute the fries out to our ponds. Okay. So and, and before we went on here, y'all were talking about how y'all were at Cordell Hull recently catching sauger down there below the dam and you brought them back to the hatchery yes, to begin sir. that process yes sir. is the fish that, that are brought in are they all um native to bodies of water in tennessee yes sir the sauger sauger native to the cumberland and tennessee river watersheds mm-hmm. but not not as good a natural reproduction as i like to see so we right. pretty much supplement them every year to the best of our ability so we, we've got sauger do we have say for example large mouth and yes, small mouth that kind of thing we uh we raise florida strain large mouths okay and we stock them in chickamauga kentucky lakes uh not currently we're not doing any small mouse mm. also raising the hybrid striped bass the striped bass Bluegills, mm-hmm. red ear shell crackers, mm-hmm. uh, walleyes, and I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anything. Any type of catfish? We don't do catfish ourselves, no, sir. Okay. We do haul in the catfish for the kids' free fishing day every year. Out there at the, the park? Yes, yeah, sir. yeah. We had uh, Terry Martin on the plate. He told us about that. How that's a that's a big deal. Yes, sir. Um, that y'all participate in. That's a how lot many, of people. How many fish? He, I think he said dump several hundred catfish in there. I think. I'm it's it's a bunch. It was five hundred pounds, yeah. but don't hold oh. me to that. <laughs> that's what Joe does too. That's another part of his job. Is he he might travel across the state and uh, pick up fish from other hatcheries, then bring them back here to Springfield. Roberts County, especially trout. Yes, sir. I'm hauling the trout this winter for trout. Sulphur Fork and yeah. hauling them out to West Tennessee to Paris and McKenzie. So the the trout, obviously, that's a 
you go and pick those up. Do y'all raise any of those in, in Springfield? No, sir. No, so I, we just transfer them. Okay. Because I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, trout, they have to have uh, cooler water than, say, uh, yep. uh, you know, a brim or a largemouth bass and even a smallmouth. So I was thinking if y'all had those fish that require cooler water, is there a mechanism that you use to keep that water cool during the summertime, or that's just not really a thing? No, we don't don't specialize in them. All the trout come from either Delhawa, Federal Hatchery, mm-hmm. or from the Flintville State okay. Hatchery. So they're more of a warm water hatchery? Yeah, we're warm water hatchery. Okay, that, excellent. That makes more sense. So the, the trout, I remember when I first heard about y'all putting trout in uh, below the, the dam at Sulphur Fork down here, golly, that had been 15, 20 years ago when I first heard about it. Based on what we're seeing, have they have they done well overall? The trout populations, you well, think? Well, it's or? a put and take fishery. Like okay, they they will not make it past May. I would say when the water gets over seventy, the trout start getting diseases and no kid just can't take it. Okay, I did not realize that. I was I was thinking it was more along the lines of put them in there and hopefully they're no. they're reproducing and having a good population. But it's it's a temporary. We kind encourage of thing. people to harvest whenever okay. they catch them. We encourage them to not release them. That's one of the few times we'll say that. But. That's encouraged to catch. As long as you're out over your limit. That's right. Right. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it's, it's something our agency does to try to uh, encourage more opportunity across the state. Sure. You know, so people don't have to travel. You want to travel out to East Tennessee, try to enjoy trout fishing. Right. We're going to bring them to you. And, and at least that's, that's part of your license fees and, and a special trout supplemental sure. license is extra. And that, that goes to pay for that. So it, it's really a cool thing. We'll have... What we'll have a dozen people, sometimes twenty, line up on you know waiting for the truck to show up to, to catch those trout. It, it's a really cool thing. Oh and, and yeah, everybody's yeah. super appreciative because otherwise, like I said, right here in your backyard, you know, and then where he's going to other places, you know, all across the mid state that wouldn't ever have trout naturally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really a cool thing. So. I, I didn't realize uh, to the extent of, of what y'all did with that. You know, trout. We went out to when I was a kid. We went out to Montana, Wyoming, out there, and. Um, of course, I, that's trout is all they have out there, and I remember catching some. And it's it's a different kind of fish. The first thing you you that is striking is, man, this thing is it's slick. I can't hardly hang on to it, you know. But I was catching them on rooster tails out there. I remember, but I think a lot. Do some people use corn to catch them or corn worms, power bait, fly fishing, a little, little bit of everything, a little bit of it all. Yes, sir. A friend of mine. Um, his family has some property. Now, this is upstream from the fairground, so this would be above above the dam. Uh, they were fishing out there. It was probably last March, April, and they caught a good size. I don't remember if it was a rainbow. What kind of what species of trout? Rainbows. Just rainbows. It was a rain. It was a, shoot, I don't know how much it weighed, but it was pretty good size. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I always thought y'all put them in below the dam, but this thing, it, it found a way to go upstream. Well, there's two stocking sites. There's right there at the dam at the uh, National Guard Army and Fairgrounds, and there's another bridge on up the walking trail. Okay. And we kind of split them up in between the two. All right. That's interesting. And they, they, they can it's, – it's very rare, but they, they – I have heard reports of them surviving in the summertime, but what they have to do is they have to find a spring coming mm. into the creek somewhere, and they basically have to stay at that spring right yep. there where that water is 55 degrees, you know, coming yep. out. And uh, it's – like I said, it's, it's pretty rare. Most all of them, they, they all – they're putting take resource basically, so we're we're putting them in there. You take them out, you know, and uh, enjoy it. And uh, we we encourage, like I said, harvest as many as you can, obviously within the limits and having a license and whatnot. But uh, but there's a lot of participation. So. Oh, there great. is. It's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Cold nasty days are waiting on me. Yeah. <laughs> what? When? When will that happen? 
It is the last week of February will be the last stocking of this year. Okay. So we, we post a schedule online, uh, Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency, you know, at our, on our website. And it, it'll be really, what, about three times a year? Yes, sir. We'll, we'll have uh, stocking events in Springfield. So okay. He'll, 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 he'll wake up early in the morning and drive out to East Tennessee, go pick some up, and then bring them back. And, and normally, normally around lunchtime, a little after lunch, depending on traffic and what's going on, we'll, we'll try to dump them in there. So. Now, when you're transporting those fish, obviously there, there's a tank in it with with water, and it has there has to be some sort of aeration system involved yes, with that. But um, you know, keeping the water cool, what what kind of mechanism does the truck have for that to, for for it to stay cool like that? Well, the tanks are insulated, so okay. it's usually a straight shot back. Whenever I get fish on, just gotta try to beeline back. So that's that hasn't really been an issue. But add compressed oxygen in there. And have our agitators just okay. keeping plenty of oxygen for them. Yeah, I've got some neat jobs. I wish I could transport fish around the states. You know, that's pretty. That's pretty fascinating stuff. So, is that what's the furthest? From, I mean, from east to west, how many miles are you traveling on a given Ooh. given basis? Uh, are you going from like past Knoxville to West Tennessee and vice versa? I've been to Chattanooga, Humboldt, uh, and everywhere in between. About Delhawa, Jackson. What's your favorite place to, to go as far as whenever you like going east? Because Del Holly growing up, that was my favorite lake. That's probably to go mine to. too. <laughs> Just beautiful, beautiful lake. Um, and the last stocking date I was looking at my notes here will be the Thursday the 23rd of this month. That is the last fat trout stocking. Okay. So all you trout fishermen. <laughs> get down there on the 23rd. Be, be there on the, on the 23rd of February. We'll, we'll be out there. We Now, we have a fish truck that comes around the county, but that's not – Related to the TWR, that, is that more like a private company that that does that? Um, if say if you've got to buy them, yeah, if you buy them for your pond, that kind of thing. So they go down to like Doris and I don't yeah. know if they come to y'all or whatnot. They used to come to I don't know if they've come to this location, the old co-op. I know they've come down there. Um, is that more just a private company that's that, private? That does that? I think that's Ken Jacobs out of Bowling Green. Okay, Whiskers <laughs> Catfish Farm. Okay. But yeah, there, there are commercial operations that have to get, you know, licensed and permitted, and, and uh, they can raise those fish, uh, obviously, you know, native species, and then stock them in local local ponds. Make, make them available to yes, if, if the public wants to purchase them, they can bring them out to if yes, they have a pond, that kind of so thing. Our fish just go back into state waters. People get asked quite a bit about helping stock ponds or whatnot, and that's, we used to do a program like that, but now everything goes back into state waters for okay. all the public to enjoy. And that's, okay. that's why your, uh, your fishing license fees, those, those are all incorporated into this program because like i said with the, with a huge amount of fishermen especially after covid in different places you know some of these fish species just can't reproduce enough to be you know they're being caught out as fast right. as being put in sometimes so they, obviously the hatchery supplements that and it makes it makes our fishing some of the best in the country mm-hmm. by far so. where we can all get out and enjoy oh absolutely yes, uh so basic management practices uh joe when i a lot of people since we had that dry weather this past year, a lot of people, I've, I've talked to several farmers that have cleaned out their ponds. So they either drained them or they, they, since it was so dry, there was no water left in it, so they went in there and cleaned them out. So if somebody was considering restocking a pond, what's, what's a good combination of fish that do well for, say, a farm pond around this area? Uh, panfish or bluegills or red ears. You want to stock them first the first year, let mm-hmm. them get a little size up on them. And come back the following year and stock your sport fish, your bass or your catfish. But about those three is what I'd recommend. Farm okay. ponds is uh, a good time of the year. Would it be? Would it be right now? 
For uh, stocking or more in the fall? or Wait a little later. Wait till about April, April, okay. May, about spring, when the trees start budding out, warms up. There's just more food in the water, phyto and zooplankton, for small fish to feed on. To okay. Grow. But give the the ones that are going to be the prey fish, give them a year to get established before you put your, your predator 100%. fish in. 100%. Okay, that's it, because I've, I've made the mistake over the years of not doing that. I just put everything in there at once. That's probably why it didn't do well. well. It, it'll work sometimes, but at least saw it does a lot better if you get your forage base started good first. Okay, so it, it, you get the fish in there. A lot of times, you know, including myself, you put the fish in there, and then you just, you just kind of leave them be. You go out there and catch them, enjoy it. But there's obviously some more management practices that people can do to, to increase the size of their fish. I mean, does there need to be a certain time of the year where you need to harvest um, a set amount of, say, smaller fish out of it so the rest of them can, I guess, less competition for food? Or what's, what's a simple management practice that people could follow? You could add supplemental feeding. You could feed them once a day, once a week, something like that, or... Without really doing an assessment, doing a population assessment, mm. it'd be hard to say to get rid of X without knowing what Y is, right. if that makes any sense. Is there a way to tell, if you're, con- if you're consistently going out there and, and catching brim that are below the average size, is, is that a data point that you can use to be like, well, maybe uh, maybe I got too many of these in here. Maybe you I should take some out. Take or- some out or add some more bass or some larger size bass or predators just to help alleviate that situation. Years ago, this was probably my grandfather, great-grandfather, when they used to go out fishing, if they caught, my dad told me if they caught, you know, a brim that was smaller than average, they'd take it off, take it off and throw it over their shoulder. And that's how they, you know, managed part of it, which is, uh, that's one way you could, could do it, I guess. But yes, uh, it sounds like sticking to three species for a pond. You know, you, you're you not going to put trout in there and then, and then have them do well or, um, I guess if you had like a naturally spring-fed pond that was that came in full time all around the year, you could put maybe smallmouth in there, and they might do okay. But yes, for the most part, for a typical farm pond with no inflow, it's, I would, for the best results, stick to your bluegills, your largemouth bass, and your channel catfish. Okay. And what the cool thing is, there, there are ratios that they've come up with. Scientific ratios as far as what to put, as far as the surface area of your pond and and uh, the depth and everything else. You know, they 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 can tell you up to a point. You know, you want these this many bluegill, you want right. this many catfish, this many bass, and they kind of work with that. Right. But uh, you do have to worry about too. And Joe might be able to tell you, but like certain species like crappie, you know, they're very very prolific. You know, breeders and they they will they will overrun a pond in a heartbeat. And then, like you said, you'll have so many fish they'll all be small and stunted mm. because there's not enough you know food for them basically. So. No, crappie are not crappie are not recommended farm ponds. <laughs> Don't go to Fall Creek Falls and bring a bunch of crappie back and put them in your pond. No, essentially, no sir. <laughs> the results most likely won't be good. Like Jason said, you'll have a bunch of small, paper thin fish that are six yeah. to eight inches that don't weigh three ounces a piece. Okay, stay away from that. And everybody loves crappie. Who does? Oh I, yeah, I, I love crappie too. But you you have to manage a pond just for them sometimes, and then that's taking out a lot of fish. To make sure you get some bigger size, and you need bigger ponds, of course, yep. to to support that too. So leave them at real foot. <laughs> yeah, go to real foot. Well, yeah, there's there's plenty it. of places. Percy Priest, Old Hickory. <laughs> but hey, I'd, you just have to make sure you just you know have a plan in place if you want right. to do something like that. Because what about aeration in ponds? You know, in, in the summertime, July, August, when the water's low and it's not raining and the oxygen gets low, is that is that something that people Oh, yeah, Maybe that's a big consider. issue. That's a big issue. There's several factors. Also, playing it out, if it has cattle in it, that can also drop yep. your DO. If you have a lot of vegetation on it, 
that'll help you. That'll kind of raise your do's. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we we raised cattle, and for years we just gave them access to to ponds. Uh, that's really. good for fertility because that helps all the microscopic stuff right. while your small fish live off of. Well, the problem I noticed over the years was, you know, when those cows wait off in there in the summertime, they're they're bringing more topsoil and earth with them into the pond, and that helps it fill in over the years. Not to mention it's hard on the dam of the pond and, and everything else. So that was something. I, over the years, we begin to fence them out of the ponds and just give them a – and one access point, line it with gravel, and where they can go down in and get them a drink. And that seems like that's helped just the water quality. Clarity, definitely. Yes, yes. And not only that, I mean, it's better for the animals if they're not just loitering out there all day messing into that kind of thing. Um, but that that's a practice that we've done. It seems like it's been pretty beneficial um, um, to us anyway. But aeration, you know, it, I've looked into it. It's, it's, it's expensive. Um, now, we, I knew a guy one time as a cheap aerator, which he, I think he was probably under the influence of, of alcohol or some, <laughs> some dope or something maybe. But it was years ago. Uh, we had a drought. That was 07. And we had that bad, bad drought. And uh, he had a great fishing pond uh, that he'd go, he'd go out there and feed him every oh, yeah. I caught a. It was a smaller pond, but I caught a, a, a largemouth out of about a four-pound largemouth sure. out of one time on a little topwater bait. It was a lot of fun. But <laughs> those fish, they were dying. They were coming up to the surface, you know, gulping, trying to get oxygen. He backed his bush hog down into the pond and cut it on, trying to churn that water to get more oxygen in it. I don't know if it helped or not. I, I've but. heard people do that. I've heard people put outboard motors in there, too. And I, I've seen people doing all kinds of crazy stuff, trying to get water and trying to get oxygen in there. So. No, it, it got to slapping that water and got to shaking him on the tractor. And it's pretty pretty daggum funny, anyway. Um, but aeration, that seems like a, 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 that can be a problem, you know, when we had years like this past summer. An aerator would never hurt. An aerator would never hurt anything. It also helps with the I guess if you got like an algae problem on the pond, that kind of thing, just keeping that water circulated, does it does it help that? Yes, keeps it from stratifying as much so it has several layers mm. in the water column. One of the real neat ones I saw the other day was at Rural King. Got one of those windmills. Have you seen those? Uh, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, and it, it's it's running a pump like a hose down in your in your pond, and it's as it's turning, it's it's forcing air into your pond there and bubbling up. So no electricity, just yeah, using that windmill. You've mechanism. seen those before, haven't you? No, those are those are super neat. That's neat. I, I, ne- I never even thought of that before until I was up there one day. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I saw the hose run out. I was like, what's that for? You know? Yeah, I wonder how. I wonder how much how expensive something. I like measure that, a little yeah. pricey, I imagine. But uh, if you're wanting a, a way to keep your pond aerated, you know, I'm sure that's a yeah. that's an option. Es- that, especially if you don't have electricity. There's a lot of rural yeah. ponds. Let the, let the wind take care of oh, it. No, that's a great idea. Now they make solar ones too. I've seen, but they're I price them. They're pretty, <laughs> yeah. they're pretty high. Um, but again, there's there's ways to manage a pond where if you like to go out and fish, you know, there's resources available. And I'm sure people can get on TWRA website oh, yeah. and, yes, and look into that. And Contact and, our fisheries department. Yeah, I'm sure they'd be happy and, to help out. Yes, yeah. so they'll give you, shoot you in the right way. But each, each pond's kind of different. It's hard to say there's not an X for each pond because all the characteristics of the water, mm. the habitat around it and everything that plays in a factor with it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure, you know, when you – I, I know fish like shade in particular, you know, uh, and, and obviously structure – in the water, um, something we try to do more is if, if they're like an old dead cedar tree, go out there and sink it nearby because you know they like to have something to get in. I guess to make them feel safe, that kind of thing. Especially the fry, you know, they yep. need a place to hide. Yeah, fish. You oh know? yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you know, they'll they'll get eaten up in a heartbeat. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's something something else you can do. To and they make these artificial kind of um, structures you can 
put out there. PVC ones. They last yeah. Forever. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's something simple people can do to, mm-hmm. you know. And that's something our fisheries department does every year. It's some of these bigger reservoirs. They'll, they'll make up, you know, hundreds of these, you know, artificial PVC or uh, concrete field. You might be able to tell us more about it. Uh-huh. Kind of just concrete and PVC and corrugated pipe. They drop them. Old Hickory, Percy Priest, and Normandy, pretty much all the major reservoirs around here. Also, I had stake beds, which pretty much it's just a stick, pretty much the back of sticks, what it looks like. Oh, really? Several of them in the ground. That's cool, man. I, I come to think of it, I saw a video somewhere. It was a TWRA video. I can't remember if it was, it may have been Kentucky Lake, I want to say. It may have been another. They were going out there with cedar trees, whole cedar trees. They were cutting them up in the woods and then taking them out on a boat and then tying blocks to them and sinking them yeah. down. Mm-hmm. We'll and, have a uh, fisher tractor area, so there'll be a buoy out there. So it's mm-hmm. a fisher tractor, and that's what they are. Every year they'll take out brush and artificial stuff and sink in those one areas to let people come there and fish. Mm-hmm. So that way, you know, it's a little bit more more, more opportunity. More oh, friendly, yeah. You know, just yeah. have a yeah. spot to go out, and, and you know there's going to be brush there, and there's going to be fish there, of course. Right, because, it, man, it makes a big difference knowing – if you just go out on a, on a body of water not knowing what's what yeah. – you know, a lot of times it can be hit or miss, obviously. Especially people with all, all the fancy electronics, you know. Right. You're out there and you're old school, you know. You, you, you know exactly that, that around that buoy right there, there's going to be some some structure, yes. maybe some fish hanging out there. So, But it's, it always fascinates me, fishing, of, um, you know, it's it's fickle. Sometimes you can go. I've gone to a spot one day, say, you know, in a creek, and I'll just wear them out. I mean, I'll, I'll pull out 20, 25 fish, just cast and cast after cast after cast, and I'll go back the next day and think, that was so fun, i got to go do it again. Go to the same spot, use the same lure, nothing. Just like they say, it's it's fishing, not catching. Oh, man. It's, it's, <laughs> not uh, to use that, that stereotypical uh, saying, but, uh, you know, that's it's more the experience. Right? Oh, yes. So getting out there, oh, unwinding, yes. being in nature, you know, enjoying yourself. Yeah, so. Oh, absolutely, man. When you hang one, there's nothing like that feeling yep. one on the line, especially when, you know, if you got kids, that kind of thing. It's Oh, oh yeah. it's a big deal. Especially a creek smallmouth or something. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it's hard to beat, for it sure. Is. So. It is. It's, it, it is a blast. But, uh, so... Jason, since you're the, the new the new game warden here, you've been the game warden since October. If uh, if there's a county resident having issues or, or somebody needs to get into contact with you, how would they go about doing Absolutely. that? Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I'm available uh, all the time. I mean, obviously, i got to take a day off every once in a while. But I, I've always got my state phone on me um, in case of emergencies or, or someone. And I, and I try to check it, obviously, you know, if I'm off. I'm, I've always got that phone with me. So, But um, I can give you a number right here if, if people yeah, want to write it down here. absolutely. Um, Obviously, you can contact our office there if you got a, a real pressing emergency. But uh, my state cell phone number is uh, area code 931-337-7149. And uh, like I said, that's my state cell phone. So, um, you know, leave me a message, shoot me a text. You know, obviously the, the public's a huge source of uh, just a huge resource for me, general hunting public, uh, because that's I make a lot of cases that way, you know, because – eyes and ears out there all the time. I can't be everywhere in the county all at once. Right. So if you see something going on, you know, that you need to report or you feel, you know, uneasy about or you think someone's not doing the right thing, you know, please, please let me know mm-hmm. and we'll uh, we'll help you out as best we can. Is it, county's a big place for one person it to is, patrol. It is. Oh, yeah, know? it so, is. Yeah, you, and we, we're, we're lucky. We got, like I said, beautiful county. Roberts County is one of the, I think, one of the prettiest counties in the in the state. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little biased, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <laughs> it is. Hey, we it all is. are here that we live here. So, yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, there's a reason why we like it. Yeah, so much. absolutely. That's, that's but yeah, sure. I'm, I'm available for uh, like I said, any questions, comments, whatever. You know, just give me a call. I'll, I'll help you out best that's, I can. That sounds so. great, well, <laughs> y'all. Before we wrap it up, anything else we want to add, take away, talk about? 
Are we pretty good, you think? Get out and go fishing. Get out, go fishing. <laughs> Get out and enjoy their, our natural natural resources here. Yeah. We're uh, Like I said before, we're blessed, and it's a pretty incredible place we live in. It so. is. It truly is. Yes, sir. Y'all, uh, I appreciate y'all's time so much coming on hey, here on a thank- Monday morning. I know y'all got plenty to do. So. Thank you, Clint. We appreciate yes, the opportunity. Thank yes, you, sir. Appreciate yes. it. All right, y'all. Well, hey, be sure to tune in uh, next week to another episode, and y'all have a good week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Grazing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and come pay us a visit at Robertson Sheetham Farmers Co-op.